listening to the Jiska Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Wyatt from the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. And I'm TJ Jeskowitz from Ragbrae. This is the podcast where we talk about bicycling just for the fun of it. There's going to be tales from all over the nation. Come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile. All right, you smiling today, Mark? Beautiful day in Iowa. Well, <laughs> if it wasn't for this cold, it seems every time I fly, I come down with a cold afterwards. Hmm. Hmm. That's life. Well, I'm feeling good. I know we, we okay. took a little trip down south, down to deep in the heart of Texas, down to San Antonio, and uh, had the we attended the National Bicycle Tourism Conference, which is hosted by the Bicycle Tour Network. And, and you know, my initial thoughts was it was just, it was the best conference that we've hosted as the Bike Tour Network. Out of all the years I've been going, I've been going over 20 years. And I, I mm-hmm. still came away with just some real good nuggets of information about things to do and, and things to incorporate for Ragbri or other events that we do. Yeah, I've, uh, I, likewise, I've been going since uh, 2003 or 2004. I've missed a few years here and there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it was a great conference for content. I think the right people uh, were at that conference and uh, it just good discussions all around. So I, I'm feeling recharged with a lot of work that I need to do. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. You can sit there and listen. Um, you know, just just on the sidebar conversations with with new events and pick up a, just a neat little thing or two. And I'll I'll be the first to admit that we steal as many ideas for, as anyone in the country, and people steal ideas from us. But that's really what this conference is all about: going and sharing ideas. And if we mm-hmm. can help some other rides, you know, have have a, a better event where they have it in their home state or, or whatever area of the country or world that they do it, by all means. But we're out there and we're learning um, different things on social media. I mean, changes by the hour, it seems like. But um, just just ways to better promote your event or host your event, you know, those were the major takeaways. And uh, we'll certainly implement some of that stuff into the way we promote RAGBRAI and the way we run RAGBRAI. Yeah, no, I agree. And then from the destination tourism side, I think there was a, a lot of really great discussion about that. Uh, some of it was event-focused, but some of it was how to just market to everyday bicyclists to come and visit your community. I know we had a great session with uh, Doc B, uh, Jennifer Baldry, who's uh, uh, the data, data analyst with uh, People for Bikes, and talking about their economic impact study in northwest Arkansas. $171 million spent over there in the past year. That's amazing. Yikes. It's good. Um, yeah. Good for For... For an investment that's a fraction of that size to get that return year after year, mm-hmm. um, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but they've shared that template uh, that they did the economic studies with, and uh, that's suddenly uh, something that everybody can use. Yeah. So we have a more apples-to-apples comparison on economic impact for bicycling. So that's exciting, and we're really looking forward to implementing that. Yeah. Well, we could use that for any event. If it's a, you know, just a weekend gathering of, of cyclists at, for, a, say, a cyclocross race or, you know, <clears throat> Bakun ride or anything like that, we can all of a sudden take those types of data points and package mm-hmm. it and say, hey, this little event was a half million dollar economic impact. And we're seeing yeah. that. We're seeing that in, you know, the small bergs that we go through in the Bakun ride. What an economic impact. I, I just caught a, a video that was done on Bakun ride that we'll be releasing soon. And I, I, I think it really smacks of, wow, what an economic impact by bringing cyclists into towns like Panora or, or Linden, um, what an economic impact it can have on the community. So um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see if we can roll that out into some of the other events and collect those those needed data so we can prove that, you know, cycling is, is big business in our state and it's not going mm-hmm. away. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, the sponsorship panel with Ravi uh, Rakatur, that was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, just brought together. He brought together good. some industry experts, yeah, and and I think that was fantastic to to hear some from, from different voices of people that are are going to be on the other side of the table for you when you're looking for sponsors. One of the one of the ones that stood out in my mind was was Zach Grease uh, from you know the former publisher over at Bicycling Magazine, and I think he's at Silver Line now. When he's talking about just different things about you know involving sponsors and involving um, you know to at at these different events throughout the country, and I, I think it was a you know just a lot of really good takeaways. He'd be a real good. Uh, person to get on this podcast i'm thinking down the road because he's got a just a yeah. wealth of information about a lot of different things and uh real sharp guy and um wish mm-hmm. him well he's got a new new uh business that he's working with that that silver line so i'm sure we'll hear more from him yeah yeah um we talked a, we talked a lot of insurance too that was a big topic at uh, sure. at least at my networking break uh mckay insurance was there um, mm-hmm. and, uh, the balance for cyclist folks, they were there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, um, <clears throat> a lot of nuts and bolts to the business, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, this, this little venture started back in 1990 when a guy named Don Benson, who used to be, well, he was the original rag ride director, you know, said, Hey, let's uh-huh. get together these, a few rides that have kind of sprouted. Um, so it, it was a good, you know, 16, 17 years into into Rangbright before we really had this tourism conference uh, or, you know, bike tour network, whatever you wanted to call back then. Uh, I think it was called the National Bike Tour Directors Association or something along those lines. But, um, you know, it, it has grown, you know, in those years. I know Ragbright has been mm-hmm. going on for 47 and there's a there's a, a couple in there that said they've been going on 40 plus, which is really cool. But um, right. even some of the new ones, I, I got excited listening to ones like the um, the the Bourbon Country Burn and, you know, some of these mm-hmm. newfangled rides. They, they almost sound like they were started by us, you know, with these, these little <laughs> uh, niche rides with some cool flair to them. And I, I thought those were some of the cool ones and some of the cool conversations to have with some of the, the up-and-coming um, ride directors that have that have got a little star power going for them, and, and you see uh-huh. their rides, you know what they're doing, um, you know selling out and different things like that. Uh, and it wasn't just the recreational rides; we had people like from from Land Run who sells out in I think seven hours, you know. So there there's been some you know cool stuff like that, and you know some some um you know some of the cool events that are more of the timed events over down in northwest arkansas so it wasn't just the usual suspects and you know you can learn from so many different people um if you open up your ears and sometimes sure. just close your mouth and listen sure um uh, we also got the the fun of participating in the tuesday night social ride in, in uh, san antonio yeah. um that was fun yeah, 350 people showed up that day, um, that night, and, and one of their biggest rides that they've ever had, um, and certainly well-organized. They had corner marshals, and, and it wasn't wasn't the case where they were often stopping traffic. In fact, more often they would stop riders uh, to let the traffic go through, and uh, I thought that was a really well-run ride and, and a lot of fun, uh, so... You know, look at yeah, the implications that ride could have in our state. I mean, one of the things that really stood out to me is they were emphatic about following the rules of the road so they wouldn't mm-hmm. piss off the motorists. And it wasn't like, hey, there's 300 cyclists blowing through the traffic light. It was respectfully stop and let the cars go. And then when the light turns green, then we'll go. And I, yeah. I just thought, you know what? If, if they had more rides like that, I mean, just complete social every Tuesday night. Yeah. I mean, what a cool, just a cool concept. And I know it's been going on for a long time or at least a couple of years. But to mm-hmm. have a little theme more or less, I mean, it, it'd be kind of interesting to see, you know, in one of the cities like, a you know, in a Iowa City or a Cedar Rapids or a Des Moines to hold – um, even a, even just a monthly one of those to get going, but I could see a weekly ride like that incorporating you know a nice little urban setting. Be cool. 
Yeah, you know, I think some of that exists. And uh, uh, Kathy Murphy's uh, Wednesday Night Bike Club, that's uh, probably not that big a scale, but uh, still can be pretty big and popular. Uh, Rassie's Ride, their no-drop ride, is a whole lot of fun from what I've heard. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's there's uh, those things exist. It's just got to... Got to find them and let people know about them. The cool thing, I think, that differentiates before, instead of some of those rides you just mentioned, this was like a 12-mile ride. Yeah. And the people that we saw on bikes there were not your usual suspects. You know, it was okay. not a spandex crowd. It was a T-shirt crowd. Um, some had helmets. Some didn't. Um, you know, there was a large Hispanic crowd on bikes. Um, yeah. you know, you know, mothers and, and grandmother. I mean, you had a, you had a mix of people there. It wasn't a kid's ride by any means, but it was just kind of a, a, a cool little, you know, uh, cross section of people that we, we might not see in Iowa on bikes. And so right. I think they've done a really good job of, of promoting cycling to different demographics that aren't your usual suspects. So good job, San Antonio. Yeah, de- definitely hats off to San Antonio as a community. It, they had a lot of great things going on. Um, it was also our first introduction to scooters. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which you, I don't think I saw you on one. I took one for I'm, a couple I'm block ride. I'm smarter than the average bear <laughs> to stay off those things. They're, you know, if 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 I'm going to ride a scooter like in the Bahamas or something like that, you know, but in in downtown San Antonio. And just hearing from the bike shop about, you know, like 10% of the people that take a scooter out is, like, injured. Like, And we saw yeah. it firsthand from someone from our group that went to the hospital with a concussion. And, you know, just, oh, man, those are dangerous. Yeah. So yeah, not, not my cup they're, of tea. They're not a lot different than that Razor scooter that was that kids get for Christmas, except adults are on them. Mm-hmm. And they go about 20 mile an hour, and uh, you still have a very high center of gravity. So if you're going over, you're going to go over. And, yep. uh, yeah, yep. it wasn't uh, – I'd much rather be on a bike in, in a lot of yeah. a lot of yep. instances. But yeah. they were extremely popular. Um, yep. A lot of people out using them all over the community, too. So, mm. so that was pretty cool. Way more people on scooters than on bikes. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true, um, but uh, I don't know. It also, I mean, it's like really fast-moving pedestrians, and you know, motors. Now that the scooters have taken over, really got to keep an eye out. So, yeah. uh, the bikes aren't the bad kids anymore. Uh, you got to no. look out for the scooter people. We moved up in the social stratosphere of, that's of right. uh, you know, people <laughs> that motors are uh, growling about. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Well, cool. I, cool. I thought it was a fantastic trip. And, um, you know, come back and we're getting we're gearing up for Ragbury registration opens up, you know, Thursday, which is November 15th. We traditionally open up on November 15th, no matter what. And the reason mm-hmm. we open that registration up so early is when you get down to Thanksgiving dinner with your family, uh, you can talk about, hey, are we going on Rag Ride this year? We can talk about it, you know, during Christmas and the holidays and different things like that. So we do open it up traditionally because it's not a first come, first serve. We traditionally do the lottery, and that gives people, you know, in in Seattle, Washington, the same ability as someone in Des Moines, Iowa, to get into the ride. So, so it'll open up eight o'clock in the morning. Um, this podcast will probably be out um, before then, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, if people are listening, you know, just go to ragbride.com. One of the other things that they can learn about would be the Ragbury Round Announcement Party, which has become part of the, you know, must-see TV uh, on the calendar of events, the Iowa Bike Expo and the Round <laughs> Announcement Party. It's kind of in your wheelhouse, Mark. What's going on with those? Yeah, let's just call the Round Announcement Party the start of the Ragbury Training Series. I mean, you got to start go. someplace, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so we're going to open, We actually registration's open, so you could go get tickets for the route announcement party. Um, same event as that we've done in the past with some new spins on it, um, a whole lot of fun. I know Kathy is working really hard. In fact, she's got four bike boxes in the van, I believe, for silent auction uh, bikes that might be on there. 
And wow. uh, yeah, it's going to be the same sort of deal. We're going to have uh, an online silent auction um, band. We got in uh, a nice band. I don't think we're ready to make that announcement yet, but uh, there'll be entertainment for the night. Um, some beverages and mm-hmm. uh, pint glasses like usual. And yeah, it's going to be a flare of, of kicking off what you what you missed over the winter and ready for for uh, for next year. Yeah. Uh, so and, it, and winter's here. And it culminates. You know, yeah. Winter feels like and you it, know when you're scraping your car, or you know you're you're thinking about do I have enough clothes on to go cycling today? It's winter. Mm-hmm. It's all. It's it may not technically be winter. The calendar doesn't say winter. You know because I think it's December twenty first is technically winter, but it's mm-hmm. winter. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. It culminates. The evening culminates with TJ holding up. Uh, overnight town cards with their names on it where we all learn the route and people start trying to book hotels they're not going to work um and uh try to find their buddies that have uh housing available and uh and then make plans to uh ride across the state it's it's really an exciting evening cool all right yeah well i know murph has got an interview um, you know, basically the Interscholastic Mountain Bike Association is up. Tom Davis, she had a nice little chat oh, with nice. Tom. I learned a lot just listening to the interview that Murph did with, with Tom Davis. And um, I think there's, you know, a lot of good stuff happening with the youth movement here. Um, cool. So it was kind of neat to get their perspective and w- what the future entails for the Mountain Bike Association. Not quite as big as some of the ones like in California or Colorado, um, but there's kids that are out there having fun and um, mm-hmm. good, good corporate uh, help. I know Bike World is really involved in it. World of Bikes, some some Razzies, a lot of a lot of good friends are involved to make that happen. And uh, just you know, good shout out to them and. Um, you know, listen to the interview because I think it's it's got some good merits. Sounds good. Let's go. Just go bike. Well, hello, Just Go Bike podcast listeners. Okay, AKA Murph here, and today I'm with Tom Davis, who volunteers with the Iowa Scholastic Mountain Bike Club. Hey, Tom. Hey, Kathy. So, um. This group is a nonprofit group that focuses on promoting the sport of mountain biking among the youth of Iowa and also working to bring mountain bike racing to Iowa schools. Seems like a really interesting topic that I thought uh, our listeners would want to listen to. So let's hear what Tom has to say. So Tom, um, give us some history of the Iowa Scholastic Mountain Bike Club. Oh, sure. Um, initially, when I was uh, around 2014, I was looking through a magazine. I saw something about high school mountain biking in California, and I went to this website, and I clicked on the local contact, and it was um, Abby Durkee. And at that point, she had moved to California, so I kind of just asked around, and, and every time I brought this up to people, it would be kind of the thing people would say would be, boy, I wish I had that when I was in high school. <laughs> and um, so at 2015, the, the folks at uh, um, the Iowa Bicycle Coalition who put on the Ragbury Expo Party um, was uh, gracious enough to uh, give us some space, and we brought some people in and, and who had a lot of information. And we had a thing there, and it's just kind of grown from there. Um, about 20, oh, I would say 2016, 2017, we finally became a 501c3, and then 2018, we had our first couple of uh, races. One in Iguanas and one at uh, Ewing here in Des Moines. Okay, okay. And uh, what role do you play? Uh, I'm actually the club president. Okay. The volunteer. Okay. And then what's your daytime gig? Uh, I work at Bike World in Urbandale. Yeah, shout out to Bike World. Yeah, Actually, awesome. I was just in there last week, and I did see you. So I, yes. that's one of my favorite bike shops. Um, shop local, everyone, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so Iowa Scholastic Mountain Bike Club now exists in Iowa. Um, what can kids, or how can kids become part of this club? Or maybe t- you know, tell us a little bit about how many kids you have. So around Iowa, we probably have at this point twenty to twenty-five kids. Really. When we put on our races and we kind of gauge it by how many kids show up, well, 
our races this year kind of conflicted a lot with the cross racing season. Mm -hmm. So there were, we're probably short 15 to 20 kids because of that. So, um, really it's not, we're not really looking at, at, you know, total numbers right now. We're just trying to get the word out and get this thing, keep it rolling. So, um, yeah, uh, really I want kids and and parents to kind of look at it as just a club sport. Mm -hmm. It's just a, you know, a soccer club sport kind of thing. And that's, you know, soccer was just a club sport at one time, and now it's a recognized sport at the school. So it's kind of where we want to go with this. Okay. So give us an idea of what kids do when they're in this club. You know, obviously, uh, soccer is pretty self-explanatory. And I would think mountain bike club is as well. But you, you know, you can't just go to a field and play. So give us an idea of what kids do in this club. Oh, sure. Uh, what we do, it's, it's an organized thing where we, you know, have weekly practices. Um, and then, you know, at those practices, we'll do them at the school and we'll just put cones up and some obstacles and just ride around and do some skills training is basically what it is. And then we'll also work with local bike shops that we'll get the kids in the shops and have them learn how to fix a flat type of thing. That's why we really want those local bike shops to get involved because this is going to involve them someday, you mm-hmm. know? And then we'll also do uh, usually about a once a week ride in the local bike trails. And that way it kind of connects the kids to that trail. And then when we kind of later on, we can get them involved as far as trail work and, you know, that type of thing, really getting them buy-in. And then we'll do, you know, our, our races for the, the next races we're going to be doing will be, you know, 2019, but they're going to be in the spring. So they kind of coordinate with the kind of the IMBCS series mm-hmm. and it won't conflict with some of the other sports that, you know, kids are doing around here. So, um, yeah, and it's it's really again truly it's just a, a club sport, and so there's kids that will want to race and be serious, and there's kids that just want to get out in the woods and mm-hmm. do some exercise. We're shooting for that kid that's not looking to be the next Olympic athlete. We're looking for the student athlete that wants to be getting off the couch kind of thing and going and and just playing around with the social group, you know this this group. So there's going to be kids that you know practice all week and don't race. They just go out and support their team. Or we find the the kids that um, are good with social media stuff or they're a photographer, that type of thing. That's really, we want them to just be involved in this club. And it's for everybody. There's no one has to make the team. You know, we want, it's about inclusivity and we want everybody involved. Sure. And hopefully you're keeping good stats because wouldn't it be great in 20 years to look back and be like, Look at how many adults are now mountain biking because they learned as a kid how cool it was. Oh, yeah. it's There's uh, the National Interscholastic Cycling Association, and they're the biggest league in the United States, and there's 24 or 25 states that are involved in this. And they do a survey every year, and 98% of the kids that take that, with that participate in that survey say that they're going to be a cyclist for the rest of their life. So... You know, that, and it's not really just to promote cycling. It is just to get the kids out, give them a good life sport that they can do forever and be healthy. Sure, sure. Um, what type of bike do they need, these kids that decide to join? You know, this is a, a, a mountain bike thing. So mountain bikes work the best on mountain bike trails. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've seen people take unicycles on mountain bike courses. And, you know, the... The best thing is a mountain bike. We can certainly help with that, with the the uh, the access to the local uh, biking community and the bike shops to kind of, if, if you can't afford it or you, you just don't have access to a mountain bike, give us a holler. We can certainly work that out. We've got uh, people donating um, mountain bikes to us all the time nice. at, at my store, and we're just kind of fixing them up and, and kind of creating a library, and um, we want to make it. I, I, I want to knock down some barriers that, you know, I don't want anybody to say, well, I can't do it because I have a bike. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, I can't do it because I have any money. Well, this is a, if we can, if this state can put on an event like, like Ragbri, I think we can get some kids out mountain biking. Sure, sure, definitely. Uh, I was at uh, Interbike recently in Reno, and we went up to um, check out there, you know, where you could uh, test ride bikes. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Were you at the inner bike? 
I was, yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. So we went out, you know, took this long bus ride, and um, it was an eye-opening experience because, you know, A, of course, you got to see all the cool new bikes and e-bikes mm-hmm. and mountain bikes. But um, all the people that were actually getting on bikes and testing them out were in, like, full body armor, so to speak. Oh, you yeah. know, like, yeah. they looked like they were also going to be on a racing motorcycle, in my opinion. And it's just yep, something new that I personally don't see a lot of in Iowa, um, but it may be because I don't, you know, get on a mountain bike and do, um, you know, the courses that we have around the state. Sure. That, that brings up a good point because those guys are doing downhill, enduro, you know, serious gravity stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have any lift assist stuff around here. And what we're doing around here, and this is a cross-country mountain biking uh, sport for us, mm-hmm. not a downhill type of thing. The cross-country mountain biking is a lot safer than, you know, gravity stuff. Uh, we're not doing the Red Bull Rampage stuff. It's This is strictly, you know, if you hike around any of our trails around here, this is pretty flat. I mean, mm-hmm. There's some climbing involved, but it's it's pretty flat. Um, it's it, it goes back to, you don't have to have mountains to mountain bike. Right. So it's, it's really a very, you know, we're a slow pace. You know, the fast guys are going through the trails pretty quick. You know, it's 10 to 8 miles an hour kind of thing, just... You know, it's it's very casual. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we'll get some fast kids, but we're also a you know, majority of us to get our skills down and all that. Or it's, you know, very safe and all that. So, you know, mountain biking is, a you know, an inherently dangerous sport, but uh, we're trying to put things in place to kind of control some of that and, and uh, make it as safe as we can. Sure, sure. And, you know, any sport can be dangerous, exactly. too. You know, it's, it is what you, what it is. And. Um, you know, you put in a lot of safe measures, I'm sure. Um, so what sort of resources are you in need of to keep this club going? Um, volunteers. Mm -hmm. We need some, uh, meet some, uh, social media help. I've got two or three people that do it on a uh, regular basis, but we're, we're trying to develop a website, uh, kind of a, a a place for, we can get information to people a little easier than some Facebook is. You know, parents and, and some adults just don't do Facebook, so mm-hmm. websites are still relevant. So we, we're trying to develop a website. Um, and just volunteers at schools. You know, we want, and it's really, it starts with the, the student athlete and them creating kind of a, a demand at the school to, hey, we want a club here, and, you know, let's start a club. Because it's really, the adults can do a lot of things, but they can't create the club at the school and force the kids to do it. We want, we want this to start with the kids and create a club and let's go ride in the woods and do some mountain biking. Sure. Sure. And are you, um, are there Iowa Scholastic Mountain Bike Clubs outside of Des Moines within the state of Iowa? There is, um, Cedar Rap or Cedar Falls area. There's the, um, the free riders, uh, Mason city has, or uh, Mason city, the Mohawk, mountain bike club mm-hmm. um and des moines not i mean there's kids that you know there's some kids from west des moines that race uh there's some kids from other high schools but there's not a set club right now mm-hmm. so we're really looking for you know i've talked to a couple of students over at uh, at, at valley that are interested in getting a club going so it's it's you know um i don't go to high school i don't have high school kids so i'm really looking for some uh, uh volunteer adults and parents that can really help us get that in high gear for our 2019 spring season. So that's, that's really what we're looking for. And, uh, we, we do have some clubs out there, but it's, um, you know, we want this to be in every town. We want to make it available to everybody. Sure. So if you've got, not just for, so if if we've got some listeners out there, you know, maybe they're a parent and they've got a, a child at home that does a lot of biking, mountain biking and, now they know, all right, there could be a club for this. Um, how can they get involved or where can they find out more information? Or, you know, like, are you kind of the main contact or what steps can they take? Well, they can certainly get in touch with me and I will send them to people in their area because mm-hmm. I've got a couple people, a couple volunteers here in Des Moines area that are, are ready, willing, and able to uh, get a club started. They can be like the parent sponsor at the school, that type of thing. Um, yeah, my email address is uh, um, Iowa. It's ISMTBclub at gmail. Mm-hmm. They can reach out to us on our Facebook page. It's Iowa High School Mountain Biking, 
or Instagram is uh, ISMTB Club. So with it, just reach out to us, and um, we can certainly, you know, hook them up with the right people. Excellent. And we'll put those um, different uh, areas or different uh, methods of contacting you on our notes. Uh, so when people awesome. are listening, they can find it um, on whatever they're using to listen to our podcast. Um, so I'm assuming, Tom, that since you work at Bike World and you are part of this mountain bike club, that you are also a cyclist? Yes, ma'am. All right. How'd you get into bicycling? Uh, transportation. Mm-hmm. When I was a little kid, it was getting to school. And uh, and we, I don't know, we lived three, four miles from school. So it was a Brown Schwinn uh, collegiate. It was, uh, yeah, that was my transportation. And then beyond that, it's, uh, you know, just getting around, having some freedom. Sure, sure. And I always ask people this, um, you know, what your riding style is. If you're, you know, now if you're in the gravel craze, if you do fat biking, if you do a little bit of everything, like how would you describe your riding style? Kind of everything. I mean, I, I, I commute as much as I can, uh, and it's on a, it's on a, kind of a cross adventure bike. Grill. It looks like a road bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but I do a lot of mountain biking, um, and I just just within the last couple of weeks, just got a fat tire bike. So that is going to be my mountain bike mm-hmm. for the next while. And just having a great time with that. Been to Ewing quite a bit lately and it's, uh, and that's where our race was at recently. And it, it's, it's an awesome place to ride. Awesome. Um, any kinds of like bike rides, biking adventures that you want to share with our lit- listeners that you've been on? Oh, uh, we've done the, uh, my daughter and I did uh, Katie trail a, a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty awesome. That's um, in Missouri? Missouri, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the past, we've done, we used to live in Nebraska. I'm from Lincoln. And we did the uh, bike ride across Nebraska for uh, eight years or so. And it's a, it's an awesome event. I mean, it, Ragbri is Ragbri. But think of Ragbri with, without the beer tents and with uh, about 600 riders. And instead of every 10 miles between towns. Mm-hmm. There are spots where it's seventy miles between towns. Oh wow! It is. It is. It's. It's amazing. A little bit more about endurance on that ride, then. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. You're when you get to the town, you go to the Catholic church and have potato bake or whatever, and you know, all the churches had their own thing, and mm-hmm. um, you go to your tent and sleep, <laughs> <laughs> and then you wake up and do, do another. <laughs> yeah, it's just like Ragbri, mm-hmm. but it's it's more of a it's a smaller thing, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we did that for quite a few years, and yeah, just trying to explore all the trails around Des Moines. It's because it's you know you look at a trail map for Des Moines and and you see oh that's where it goes, but getting on that bike trail and just doing it, it's like oh well, I've never seen this from the road, and mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't know I can get to here from here, and it's just getting out there and just doing an adventure for the afternoon, and whether it's from here to Redfield or you know from. You know, just finding a trail and finding the dead end. I love that about Des Moines, uh, especially when I oh, have yeah. extra time that you get on a trail. It's so well marked, at least the ones that I've been on. You know, you're kind of in the middle of the country, even though you're so near downtown Des Moines. It's just, I love the trail system there. Yeah, we're, we're super lucky. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, um, maybe you did this when you biked across Nebraska, but, you know, Ragbri's known for pie. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite oh, pie? Yeah. Apple pie. Apple pie. All right. It's a, it's a good basic. If you can do a good apple pie, you can make about any pie. So. <laughs> and are you a with ice cream or without? Uh, both, really. Yeah. But not not either way. Just like apple pie, and we'll we'll take it. Well, anything else exactly. I didn't I didn't touch on with the Iowa Scholastic Mountain Bike Club? Well, um, a couple things I want to add. I just want to reiterate that you know this is for. Anybody who wants to get out and get some exercise, be a part of this movement. Um, and it, you, we're not looking for Olympic athletes here. We're just looking to get out and have some fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to shout out to all of our, our sponsors. Um, and we've done, you know, these guys have been with this since the beginning. And it was kind of a, you know, you just got to trust me thing. And a lot of them saw it as this is a great idea. And, you know, when I reached out to all the bike shops in Iowa that I could find. A lot of them said, I don't know if this is going to work. Uh, but the guys at 
bike world uh, in Des Moines. I want to thank uh, Forrest Ridgeway and Biff Ridgeway and Justin Sheldon, of course. And then uh, the guys at uh, Goldfinch, uh, Chad McNamara and Max Long, been a great supporter. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Rasmussen Bike Shop, uh, Greg Rasmussen, saw this from a mile away and said, this is, I want to be involved in this right away. And no hesitation at all. And the folks at uh, Wayne Cycle and Fitness, uh, Matt and Heather Curtis, um, great sponsor of that club up there, uh, gone out of their way to give us a hand wherever they could. And then uh, World of Bikes and I was Siggy, that's uh, Ryan Baker, just doing an awesome job for us. Uh, those guys all saw it as, you know, no hesitation. They just, you know, had that same thing of, I wish I had this when I was a kid. And um, just great supporters. I can't say enough about them. They, yeah. are, they are our founding supporters. So, you know, they, they're going to be with us for a long time. That's awesome. And I know most of those people, and I can agree that they are, uh, you know, good, good supporters for you, but they're also just good people in general. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And with that said, you're always looking for more sponsors or more supporters. So, again, they can, you know, reach out to you. We'll add your contact information, but um, you're always looking for to expand this. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, we want we uh, we're not trying to conquer the world. We're just trying to get kids more our our goal, more kids on bikes. That's it. Not not because I can sell more bikes. It's, you know, that's just going to make us a healthier society and, and give these kids another view of the world from not a car window, but the back in the woods and, and explore and, and get a different view of the world from, for a, for a little healthier mindset. Definitely. Nothing better than fresh air. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Tom, thank you so much for being on the podcast and uh, the Iowa Scholastic Mountain Bike Club is a great, a great organization for kids and hopefully it turns them into bicycling adults. Awesome. We, I really appreciate your your help here, and and uh, go bike Iowa. Yeah. Go bike world. Go. I just you know I I can't say enough about our sponsors, uh, the Goldfinch guys and Rasmussen's and Wayne's and World of Bikes, and you guys. Your group has been a supporter from the beginning and given us some space at the the expo. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Can't yeah. say enough. And we'll be back at the expo again in the end of January. Hopefully, you'll be joining us again. We will. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, listeners, I leave you with a quote from the unwritten book of Morphology. This quote comes from Jacob's Law. To err is human. To blame it on someone else is even more human. Think about it. Hello, this is Andrea, and I am parrot talking at you today. I'm going to apologize right away for the way that my voice sounds if I come off a little bit croaky. It's because I spent a good time in the evenings at the National Bicycle Tourism Conference riding an electric lime scooter and yelling because of how much fun it is. If you've ever tried them, they are a blast. It's essentially like a little razor scooter, but it's electric and it goes up to about 20 miles an hour and it feels extremely dangerous because it is, but that's part of the fun. Um, if you live in a town where these scooters exist, I'm sorry because they're probably super annoying, although I tried to be a good citizen of riding a scooter. So, you know, that's on everybody else. It's They're a blast. If you get a chance, try them. It's only like a dollar for the first minute and then a couple cents a mile or something. Anyway, so little horse. My, that's not why I'm here today is to talk about lime scooters, although I will talk about riding scooters as long as you want. Just come up and ask me. Um, I have not tried bird scooters. They're very similar to lime scooters, except they sound, for me, they sound a little bit more cannibalistic. Like I'm not going to be scooting around on a bird as a parrot. I'm going to be riding a lime. Thank you. Anyway, So, Parrot Talk. We're here for Parrot Talk today. I got a question, you guys. I haven't had a question in a while. So, I'm going to answer that question. Um, Travis from Twitter. Thank you, Travis. He said, "Um, can you talk about clip-in pedals and the advantages to them? Well, I sure can because I love my... Actually, the technical term for them is clipless pedals, even though you do literally clip in with them. I'm not exactly sure how that came about. I'll have to Google it. But, um, yeah, Clip-in pedals, clipless pedals. Uh, I love them. I say the first time I tried 
clipless pedals was I was around 13. So I think my second or third ragbri at that point. Um, and it became obvious that if you are into bike touring, it'd be a good idea to try. Um, as a stupid teenager, it took me many tries to figure out how to unclip. Um, I fell over something like a dozen times. It's not flattering, okay? Um, because basically you just have to turn your foot sideways and you're unclipped. But what I didn't realize is that you can adjust the tightness of the pedal. And mine, I think, were too tight. And it makes it more difficult to get your foot out. Um, and that's... For that reason, I would recommend if you are thinking about getting clipless pedals for the first time, go to a bike shop, go to your Shields, go to your Bikes to You, something like that, and have a professional get attach the clip pedals to your shoes because you'll have to have special shoes to use clipless pedals. Um, and they can adjust the tension correctly and they can also align them correctly because if you have the pedals aligned at an angle, that will do something bad to your knees. Let me tell you that from experience. Um, because when you're pedaling, you want your feet to be parallel to the bike or else you're going to be having a bad time. So those are my main pieces of advice for getting into it. Also, I would maybe put your bike on a trainer and practice clipping in and clipping out a bunch of times so that you're used to the feeling of how it works. Because once, as I've asked a question on Twitter, um, you know, what was it like the first time you ever got clipless pedals? And pretty much consensus was you may fall over once or twice, but once you get into how your feet go in and out of them, it's second nature and it's really not a big deal. I would not be concerned about that. Maybe just bike around in the grass or something. Seriously, it becomes very easy. Basically, you just slide your heels outwards and bam, your feet are out of the pedals. Um, so just to add some sort of like shred of credibility to my parrot talk today, I did look up some facts about using clipless pedals for bike tourism. And I got most of the information I used today from experience, but I backed it up with an article from cyclingabout.com. Um, all right. Plenty of experience. All right. Believe me. Um, clip it, clipless pedals are scientifically better for steep climbs. Okay. If you're going to be doing a lot of hill climbing, they're good because you not only do you push your pedals when your foot goes down, but you're also able to pull when your foot goes up. So you're applying power for the entire 360 degrees of your pedal on both sides, as opposed to when you have flat pedals. If you were to try to pull up with your foot um, on one side, it wouldn't work, right? You could be pushing down with one foot on the right side, but then on the left side, you're not doing anything because to pull up your foot would just come off the pedal. So this way you're able to like kind of really crank it all the way around. And I'm a grinder on the bike. I like to ride in high gear. So it's even more fun to have clipless pedals so that you can like really get the power going. So better for steep climbs. Now it does say that they're equal as far as flat ground. Like if you're biking on flat ground and you're using these clipless pedals, it's the same amount of power as you would get from riding flat pedals. Uh, maybe, I guess. It depends on how fast you go, which for me is not that fast, although I like going fast. Anyway, you'll have to kind of get that by experience. Um, then it says they're also good for short bursts of power. So that, again, that makes sense. You're trying to really add extra power. So you're, any way you can gain a little extra power, they will help you. Um, and then foot and body positioning, which I already kind of talked about where you're able to keep your feet straight on the pedals the whole time. You're not, your feet aren't out, your feet aren't in, they're not whatever. You're, they're not pointed the wrong way. Your feet are exactly locked in at the optimal place to get a good pedal stroke in, which is what you want, right? Even if you're a casual cyclist, if you're going to be making all the effort to make the pedal, you want to get as much out of it as you can. It's kind of like when you sometimes pedal going downhill, you still want you're going downhill and you're getting some free boost, but you still want, you know, as much. I mean, as a cyclist, I am a naturally lazy person. I want to get the most out of each pedal. The, then the one point that they made that I didn't think about that is actually kind of good is that your foot is really stable when you're clipped in. So if you're riding on gravel or cobblestones or like just a really potholed road, your foot is going to stay on the pedal in the right place and it's not going to fall off. If you have ever missed your pedal and hit your shin with your pedal, 
It is one of the most painful, surprisingly painful things that you can ever experience on a bike. Now, I have never broken a bone while riding a bike, knock on wood, but it is extremely painful, mostly because it's a surprise. Flip, crack, right into your leg. Oh my gosh, it hurts so bad. I think I have a permanent scar on my right leg from doing that too many times before I switched to clipless pedals. Um, so I would try just for that. Um, do you have to get racer style clipless pedals? No. There are about, I say maybe three or four really common types of clip-in pedals that you can use. Um, and there's a couple of advantages and disadvantages, and I'm only just going to touch on them briefly. But um, let's, I say the most common ones are the Shimano SPD style pedals. If you think clip-in pedals, this is probably what you're thinking. I believe they were originally mountain bike style, but I use them for road biking exclusively. Well, I mean, I use them on my mountain bike too, but I use them that's the only kind of pedal I use on my road touring bike. Um, they're very easy to use. And what I like about them is that they're inset a little bit into your shoe so that when you are off the bike, you're able, I mean, you do kind of crunch around a little bit, but you're able to wear them out and you don't have to pack a second pair of shoes unless you're going to be walking around a lot. Like I have a pair of what look like, um, trail walking tennis shoes and they clip in right into my uh, pedal and it's really nice um, probably the other big kind or at least used to be the popular kind is look pedals those ones are more of like mm, a sideways d shape capital d shape um, and those ones the pedal comes significantly further out from your shoe and so you either have to have a cover to cover over the clip or you'll have to pack a second pair of shoes to wear with those because those will do some damage to linoleum or like a tile floor or any, I mean, any kind of nice wood floor or something like that. And if you're walking out in the mud, then you're going to be digging up mud and picking mud, mud out of that cleat for a long time, believe me. I used to have those. I kind of moved away from them because I just never got them adjusted right and they never felt right to my foot. But you never know what might work for you that doesn't work for someone else. That's why I would say, again, if you're trying pedals for the first time, go and ask a professional's advice. Don't ask my advice. I don't know. Um, ask, go to a bike shop and see what they have to tell you as far as fit. Or just watch a bunch of YouTube videos. But I would prefer, I mean, it's better to have a human because then they can, again, they can adjust it for you. The th other, the third type of pedals that I, okay, third of four types of pedals that I'm going to mention is the, like a crank, Crank Brothers egg beater style pedal, and it literally looks like an one of those um, egg beaters that you'd clip into a mixer, like to make cookies or something. And they're pretty cool. I've never used them before. They look super badass. So if you want to impress your friends, get those. I don't know anything more about them. Again, ask a professional about those ones. Uh, but they look cool, um, and they come in some cool colors. I do know that. As far as walking around with those, again, I don't have any experience. Then the fourth type that I'll mention is a combo pedal where it's flat on one side and it has the SPD clips on the other side. And that's what I use on my commuter bike because then if I decide to wear tennis shoes to work, I can wear them, no problem. But if I feel like biking further, I can clip in, bring my clip-in shoes, clip in and ride like a normal ride with the same amount of power that I'm used to instead of having to deal with two pairs of shoes. Sometimes I'll even wear like my flat professional shoes and ride on the flat side of the pedal. It's just that easy and it's really nice. Or like if I'm going to a concert, I don't have to worry about bringing my bike shoes. Um, those may be my favorite kind of clip-in pedals just because, again, they're so versatile. But that's not what I have on my touring bike just because, you know, I really don't plan on using that bike um, out and about or needing tennis shoes at, at the same time. So um, that's that's essentially all I have to say. Now, they have a couple of disadvantages listed on this site about clip -in, clipless pedals. However, I'm just going to say it's 100% worth it. Once you get used to them, we'll, they will be not noticeable. They will be equivalent to, say, any other part of your bike, like your water bottle cage, that you're just used to using. Could it be annoying? Maybe if you get annoyed by stuff really easily. But it is worth it. Um they said their their disadvantages are that you might have to bring an extra pair of shoes. Okay, you might have to bring an extra pair of shoes depending on the type of bike ride you're on and the type of pedals you have. That's true. But guess what? I have a bike bag. I put those in there. 
put a pair of flip-flops in there. No problemo. Um, it's hard. They said it's hard to walk up hills with them on. I mean, no harder than to walk on any other terrain. With the look pedals, it might be a challenge because they're kind of slippery on the bottom. But on any other type of pedals, really no big deal. I guess essentially what they're saying is just be careful when you're, especially when you're getting used to them. Um, okay. I think I'm going to stop there because I'm kind of rambling now. Uh, so if you have any other questions about clipless pedals, let me know. I'm happy to talk about it. Love to talk about it in person or on Paratalk, whichever. Um, the other thing, if you have any other questions you want to ask me, I'm happy to answer your questions, especially in the off season. It's fun to talk about biking. I know it's not the off season for everyone. Um, I'll be biking indoors until the ice goes away. But um, anyway, so ask me your questions. Send them to me at ragbri underscore Andrea on Twitter or at Just Go Bike on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I do check those. And I also check Just Go Bike Podcast at gmail.com. Um, I am the email master or whatever you'd like to call that. Uh, email guru. That sounds better. Okay. And I'd like to end this by giving a little shout out to my buddy, John Chai, which is about Mm, six months overdue. So what's up, John Chai? He is Parrot Talk's official physics teacher. And if you ever get the chance to meet him, um, ask him what the W stands for. It's Witch's Brood. All right, squawk it later. Well, we've come to the end of another edition of the Just Go Bike podcast. Appreciate you tuning in each and every week and wherever you find our podcast, we appreciate it. I know there's lots of channels that you can get it on Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Uh, I think we're on like iHeart now and Spotify. So wherever you're getting iTunes, wherever you're getting it, we, we do appreciate it. And uh, also appreciate you patronizing our sponsors because without them, we could not possibly do this podcast. And who are those sponsors, Mark? Hey, we appreciate the support of Think Iowa City and its curious surrounding communities. Great place to ride a bike, so come out and enjoy things like Jingle Cross, their trail system, all kinds of fun stuff to do in the Think Iowa City area. Uh, Bikes to You, one of the best bike shops that you can find in the state of Iowa. Great women's clothing selection, and of course, a super rag bright charter. And then finally, Primal Wear. Out of Denver, Colorado, if you're looking for custom bike jerseys, shorts, apparel, gloves, whatever you need, visit primalwear.com. Yeah. So we saw a lot of our friends at the Bike Tourism Conference. I know Primal was there and the Coops were down there as well. Um, always good seeing our friends at both those entities. So, um, But I yeah. know we got a lot that's coming up. Uh, we have RAGBRAI registration opening up. And, you're, um, you know, while you're in there, make sure you take a look at the route announcement party. Tickets are now available. You can get a table. You can get, you can get tickets. We'll have links over to the Iowa Bike Coalition to make sure you get all those things. So anything to leave us with today, Mark? It's cold, so bundle <laughs> up. But don't be afraid to ride. Yeah. That's all, all I can right, say. Let's get out there and ride. Thanks again for listening. Let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review. They really help us out a lot and help others find the show. For more information, check out JustGoBike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer.